Welcome to the Contractor's Best Friend. I'm your host, Brad Humphrey, and we're sponsored today by Caterpillar and 4constructionpros.com. In the studios with me today, I have two experts from Caterpillar. Scott Hageman is great control technology and connectivity on the job site. And Jason Hurtis is back with us today. He's the Cat Quarry and Aggregates expert. Guys, it's always good to have both of you here Scott, I want to go after you. The topic today is really getting used to new equipment. Okay, so we've made the purchase, whatever that purchase is, we've made the purchase. Take us through some basics that I'm still suspicious that a lot of contractors don't always do. Yeah, I think you hit the the key term there, Brad's basics. You know, there's a lot of new offerings on that machine. You don't need to try to test them all or try them all the first day. And just what are you doing and what do we have on that machine that, that will help you in that specific application? So when do you need to know what's on the machine? Well, when you're sitting in the machine. So what we've done, we put manuals and videos Mm -hmm. actually on the display because that's when you want to educate yourself when you're in that cab, not when you're at home at night. So (laughs) you go to that display and you can see some, you know, quick help, quick start, you know, help question marks, press that, things populate up there, videos to tell Mm -hmm. you as an operator, if you want to change this setting, go here and do this and walk through it. So it's right there as you're needed, when it's needed, so you can have the best experience. And it's all about that experience, because if you get frustrated, you're not going to have a good experience, you know, You know, it's so incredible. You can YouTube anything. Yes. You know, I I, I was given a friend, who was a gun collector, gave me a 1932 uh, rifle that was that was uh, uh, gathered at uh, the Battle of Iwo Jima. Wow. I've still got the Japanese uh, emblem, uh, Emperor's emblem. I mean, it, it's worth. I don't know how much it's worth, but I it, I, I took the basically the, the 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 magazine out, you know, and I couldn't put it back on. I went to YouTube and I found a video and some guy spent all day putting this thing together and, and it, it worked. So right. what you're, I like what you're saying because especially with some of the younger operators, they're used to that, aren't they? Right. And to your point there with your magazine, you wanted that uh, information right there while you had the magazine in your hand. I was hand. looking right at it while I was doing and, it. Yeah. And now that's what we have in our machines. While you're in the machine, that's when you have the questions and that populates up on that display so you can have your questions solved while you're right there in the machine. I want to come back to you in a moment. Jason, how important is training? I mean, hello. (laughs) Uh, It's critical. I mean, everybody talks about training, but you really got to have a plan to do it, whether it's on the job, using dealer resources such Mm -hmm. as certified dealer instructors, certified Mm -hmm. dealer operators, our system application specialists. Um, you got you to have a plan and you can't beat on the job training to complement what Scott said. You know, you have the YouTube videos right then and there when you're when you need it. On the job training is also equally important because it's on the job site. It's on the application. It's in the material that Mm -hmm. you're doing. And to have a a senior operator or senior member help a more junior operator with the application job site portion of it will put you a leg up. One thing that we try to do is all the new technologies or new add-ons, you know, we try to keep everything the same as the previous generation. Where are my headlights? You know, where's my auto traction control? Where's my auto shift? We try to keep that stuff the same. So mm-hmm. that's at least familiar for an operator transitioning. And then the new things may be in the monitor a little bit, or they may be automatic and working behind the scenes and the operator doesn't even know it's enhancing their performance. Yeah, exactly. But yet it does. Yeah. Scott, I'm going to come back to you because I'd like for you to kind of maybe 
expand a little bit on the simplicity of, of, of making it as easy as possible for our people to learn it, but making sure they do learn it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So with icons, yes. you know, some of the switches, we, we have icons that help, you know, understand because sometimes you can't put a big description on what a switch is. But if you see uh, a little fan icon, you know, that's probably the fan switch. And I would assume that's going to, you know, turn the fan on. And if I push it up, it's going to blow more air and I there push it go. down. <laughs> so it's simple like that. All right. You know, things of that sort, I think, is, is what we're trying to do. And that also helps with the translations. You know, mm. if we do put words on there and we have people that are not English speaking, right. then we need to translate those words for them. So that's why the icons and help out tremendously on the basics of those things. I agree with that. Let me ask you this, how much time would you estimate? And I know you you may have a formal survey on this. Maybe you've done the data collection. How many contractors are probably really taking their operators through a formal training process to learn how to operate that equipment? I would like to say, you know, upwards of, you know, 60 to 70%. But yep. then what do you quantify as a formal training? Right. You know, just everybody has a quitting time of enough trainings enough whether they're getting enough training right. or you've just air quoted enough time to get them up so that we can get productive. Yeah. But yeah, to Jason's point, you have to have a plan and you really have to, you know, set aside time because the time's going to sp- be spent right then and there, but it's going to save you so much time down the road. There's no- well, and, and the reason I bring that up is on seriousness is that, you know, th- this industry is pretty well known for OJT and, and that can be kind of costly on a piece of equipment. I mean, I just spent couple hundred thousand dollars on a piece of equipment up towards to a couple million dollars and i don't know if i'm a big believer in ojt suddenly well and i think there's stuff that we in the market and that we have today to supplement that i mean you have equipment simulators you know that can help an operator get up to speed while you're waiting for your machine to be delivered for example you could have access to an equipment simulator kind of getting them used to the the controls and the layout um there's more and more training schools popping up, especially for operators, junior colleges, yeah, big you know, union halls, yeah, right. which you can easily take advantage of and send your people to for a day or a week or whatever, whatever they offer. And I think customers would be amazed if you give them some type of formal training for a day or for a week when they come back. The And we've done studies where we measured their productivity before yeah, training yeah. and measured their productivity after training. And that payback is within one or two cycles. And, and who cannot afford to do that? Yeah, I, I would have guessed that. I think that's a great idea. I did appreciate you sharing the tech schools. A, a lot of your tech schools um, are make, kind of making a comeback, you know, in a lot of ways, because we, we need tradespeople. We need people with crafts. And, and the smart states are the ones kind of backing it up and, and helping to promote that. And I've been in several, I know just in my own state of Texas, where they've actually had some of those simulators. Not all of them, but a lot of the schools do have a semblance of that. And many times, it, it probably was a caterpillar or somebody that kind of helped maybe raise the money or donate some money for them to put that in there. So I think what you're saying there is really good. And in terms of getting used to the new equipment, Scott, I'll kind of let, let you have the last word. Is there anything, just sort of in summary, that, that maybe you would, again, encourage any uh, con- uh, uh, construction contractor to to think about when they're getting ready to buy equipment, when they bought equipment, and then when they're, when they're uh, teaching other people in their company how to become an operator. Any thoughts on that as you leave? 
I think is, you know, getting ready to buy equipment, you need to get in the seat. Yeah. And I think you need to have a, a good feel of what's going on in those seats. We have a lot of features and benefits on there, but if you just see it on a piece of paper or brochure and don't really feel it yeah. while you get in the seat and, and operating that piece of equipment. And then uh, the mentorship. You know, you don't have to have everybody try to be a rock star in right. that machine the first day. If you get somebody in there and get him accustomed to it, and all of a sudden he's getting productive, and then let him spend an hour, hour and a half, and lead the next person down the same path he went, sometimes it, they learn better from another operator opposed to a manual or a video because that's in the operator's context of teaching each other. Well, certainly contractors who are investing a lot of money into uh, higher end equipment are going to probably take a lot more effort to train those people so they have fewer learning experiences on the on the job. But, uh, you know, a lot of this audience that's listening right now are people who aren't in that type of, uh, of bracket in terms of the type of equipment. They're, they may be more on the paver or they may be more on a backhoe or a, a, a skid loader or something along those lines. And it's still a piece of equipment. And but they I don't want them to let their I don't want us to do anything that would encourage them to let their guard down. That's still a piece of equipment that they need to have good training and good education available for those those people. Right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It doesn't matter the size of the piece of equipment to, to us or to our dealers. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid to ask for training. At the very least, have them walk you around the machines and show you the features and benefits and tell you when to use it, when not to use it. Yeah. And most importantly, if you do use it, what's the benefit to you? Yeah. That should all be part of the, the purchase acquisition process, if you ask me. Yeah, this has been really practical. This has been a good practical session, guys. Thank you for, for the advice you've been given. If you're listening to this, we certainly would encourage you to listen again. Uh, there's some good little tips there here and there that Scott and, and Jason were able to share with you today. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, about some other topics that both these guys have uh, addressed, certainly you're welcome to visit uh, some of the websites at cat.com and check on their construction areas and then forconstructionpros.com as well. Hey, thank you for being a part of today. Have a great day and have a good year. Don't want to miss a podcast? Sign up for alerts on the Contractor's Best Friend webpage on forconstructionpros.com. 